Hello, and welcome to the High Street Community Church Podcast. We're so excited you're learning alongside us, and we pray this message leads you closer to the Lord and others. High Street Community Church is simply a family of friends following Jesus. God bless you as you listen. Today we're going to be talking about the coming life. So if you have that blank spot on your bulletin notes, the coming life is what we're talking about. And we're really talking about how who we are prepares us for that coming life. Who we are now prepares us to be ready for the coming life. Um, So in context, in 1 John, we've kind of gone through a hard section of Scripture. Danny talked about it last week. And then I talked on a little bit the week before. I talked about, at the end of my teaching, about the world, the distorted world, and that there's the, there's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful of pride of life, that the world confronts us, and it's, that's a hard thing to deal with, and we're all affected by that. And then Danny went on and another, through another hard section talking about false teachers and the ways that we're misled by all these different teachings and how because we have the Spirit and because we have Christ with us, we don't need to be afraid of those things. We can know who we are. But it's a hard section. And if you were the hearers of First John, when John wrote this letter to the church, um, you, would, you would be familiar with this opposition that they were facing. They would have experienced struggle. They would have also experienced betrayal from people who were teachers of their church who were lead, leading them wrong. And then also, they would have been in what they felt like was the last days. Like a lot had happened, things had changed, they'd been through a lot of transition. And I think the hearer would have been experiencing John's letter right up to this point, and, and been, if you're sitting in that audience, would have felt something like this. Like, phew, wow, yeah, we've been through a lot. We have lost some people, we've been deeply affected by the world. We have the presence of God, but you're right. John, following Jesus is hard sometimes. So John knows that, that he's being real about that, which is, that's what's so exciting about the Bible is it doesn't cover up that stuff. And John, in the section that we're going into, wants to encourage and to restore hope. So that's what he's wanting to do. So these, these hearers have gone through the hard work of hearing these tough messages and, and recognizing that in their lives, and now he wants to help bring some of that encouragement and hope. So we're going to read 1 John um, 2.29 to 3.3, and that's what we'll be talking about this morning. I'm going to read it for you, but you guys can listen along. If you know that he, being Jesus, is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, that's Jesus, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. We're going to take a second to just respond to that in prayer. 
Jesus, uh, I, I know we've already prayed this morning, but your word is just, um, it touches us, and it calls to us, and, and it awakens a longing in us to know you like this. We receive the encouragement that John was writing to the church back um, thousands of years ago, and we receive the encouragement that you are speaking to us this morning. We ask that you would help us to know our identity as children of God and to not shrink back from that. You give us strength as we um, consider what the world says about that, and that you would really purify us as we set our hope on you and you alone this morning. We ask for your help in going through this. In your name, amen. So can you guys hear the encouragement in John's tone in that text? You know, he, he uses, uh, you know, these sweet words, you know, children of God, what kind of love, beloved, we are God's children now. It's these really welcoming, inviting phrases. I mean, this is one of my favorite scriptures, and I actually hadn't read it in a long time, so it's really good to dig into it. And just like when I preached last time and John was talking about, you know, I'm writing to you little children, I'm writing to you fathers, he really like slowed them down to hear in their heart what God was saying. He's doing that again because he's gone through, you know, that was the last encouragement section. Now we've gone through the hard stuff and now we're back at another slowdown moment. So he's slowing us down again and he's turning our attention to God's love. So we looked at the world, we looked at these false teachers, and now he's turning us back. Beloved, beloved, look at God's love again. Um, And actually that word see in 3.1 C is uh, a Greek word, horeo. And so when we see C, when we see C, when we read the word C, um, as, Western, as Western Americans, we think with our eyes, right? You know, you see, so I'm reading the black and white text. But the Greek word horeo can mean see with the eyes, but it also means perceive with the mind, know. Um, it also means be acquainted with by experience, and it also means discern Clearly, So it carries all of those meanings, not just see with your eyes. That's, you need to see it, right? You need to be able to read it in the text. But you also need to perceive it. You also need to be acquainted with it by experience. You also need to discern clearly. So it means to see with more than just your sight. See more than just with your eyes. So what are we discerning in this passage? What are we experiencing? What are we called to know, to become acquainted with? And the answer is this great love of God. This translation says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. Um, And other translations say the great love of God. Other translators say the lavish love of God. Um, The Greek word there, I just read this again this week, means, I'm going to say this wrong, but it's like potapos, 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 not pronouncing it right, kind of looks like potato. Um... But the actual word means, the, the kind of, or the great word means, of what country or what origin. It's kind of like saying, where the heck did this come from? Wow, I had no idea um, that this kind of love was coming at me, that this kind of love was possible. Uh, the the um, commenter, commentator said it this way, this word implies that God's love is so unusual, so unearthly, and so unique to our experience that we barely expect its result, that we are called children of God. Now, 
Some of us might feel like we could be slaves of God or servants of God, right? Like the prodigal son coming home and begging his dad, Dad, can I just serve in your home? Like that's, I know that's all I deserve after all I've been through. So when we hear that, see what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called his children, wow, that's a totally unexpected turn. And so John's turning our attention to God's love. We're turning not just our eyes, but our mind, our will, and our emotions, and we're turning to discern it. So in one level, John's saying, you know, in, in the text, in the false teachings, in, in the world, you've been through all that. In the middle of that, we need to be able to discern and see and understand. And in our own lives, we also need to be able to look back on all the stuff that we've gone through in our experiences and discern. We need to be able to see that we're children of God, even then, whenever that moment would be for you. Um, I was glancing at a book this week called The Whole Brain Child, which I thought was really appropriate because talking about childhood and being children of God this morning. And they talked about uh, how scientists have studied the brain. And, um, well, let me just read the quote and you'll understand how it fits. It says, in recent years, scientists have developed brain scanning technology that allows researchers to study the brain in ways that were never before possible. One of the surprises that has shaken the very foundation of neuroscience is the discovery that the brain is actually plastic. That's their term for it, moldable, kind of like clay. You can do stuff with it. This means that the brain physically changes throughout the course of our lives, not just childhood as we had previously assumed. What molds our brain, question mark, experience. Even into old age, our experiences actually change the physical structure of the brain. When we undergo an experience, our brain cells, called neurons, become active or fire. The brain has 100 billion neurons, each with an average of 10,000 connections to other neurons. When neurons fire together, ones that previously hadn't been associated together, they grow new connections between them. Over time, the connections that result from firing lead to rewiring the brain. So you're creating new pathways. This is incredibly exciting news, writes this author. It means that we aren't held captive for the rest of our lives by the way our brain works at this moment. Yes, that's great, huh? We can actually rewire our brains so that we can be healthier and happier. This is true not only for children and adolescents, but also for each of us across our lifespan. I thought that was good news. Um, because uh, I, I love that line that we're no longer held captive to our past experience. It almost sounds like right out of the Bible, right? And in a secular way, they're, they're tapping into that, that God's made us to change. Right? God's made us to grow. And that to some, you can do that to some extent on your own, but wow, can you imagine this lavish love of God, how much you would grow if you really knew and understood what it meant to be a child of God? So John's taking our attention and turning us to God's love, to his sweet love, to his, his words when he calls us beloved and um, lavished with love. He wants to turn us to it long enough in this section of scripture for us to experience it. Not just to know it or to see it in the Western American mindset, but to really perceive it, to understand it, to discern it clearly. 
Seeing and experiencing God's love actually rewires and heals our minds and hearts. And it does it in a way um, better than any other human or world, earthly relationship could. So God gives us this core identity, being a child of God. And we know now, even through this quote, that we're not just our experiences of our past. God calls us children of God because that's what we are. So it's not just a name. It's actually an identity statement. It's actually a core identity of who we are. He made us for this kind of relationship with him, even if we're not really feeling like a child of God today. So my question for us this morning is, do we actually see ourselves as children of God? Do we actually see ourselves as a son of God or a daughter of God? And what might this mean for how you see yourself and how you treat yourself, how you think about yourself, or how you think about God? So we're going to do a quick little activity. I would like you to turn to someone next to you and share your answer to this question. What are children like? You just share a couple words. What are children like? All right. Now turn to a different person and answer this question. Turn to a different person and say, how do we treat children? So turn to someone else. How do we treat children? Okay. All right, you can turn your attention back here. So I want to hear some answers. What are children like? What did you guys come up with? Interested in everything. That's good. Curious. What else? A blessing. Yeah, their gift, their treasure. That's a good one. What was that? They are loving, yeah, freely and accepting, so easily accepting. They'll go up to people that people would normally be repulsed from, right? Easily embracing. What? What was that? Expensive, yeah, right? Yeah, I understand that. Anyone else? Let's get a couple more. Wonderful. Yeah, they're joy. They're a joy to have around. They're life-giving. It's good to be around. Innocent. Good. Very, yeah, (laughs) compared to adults, good. Yeah, they're innocent. They're pure-hearted. They're not maybe, uh, experience and disappointment hasn't affected them like it has people. They bring you joy. joy. Yes, yeah, they're fun. They bring a smile to your face. They're curious. Yeah, I love, I mean, one of my favorite things about kids is they're adventurous. They're ready to like, Jump in or whatever you have, right? Um, so, and then how do we treat children? So let's hear some of those. What were your answers for that? Incompetent. That's a good insight, Theo. Yes. So you're looking at the distorted world and saying they don't really treat children as valuable as they could be. That's good. <laughs> That's good. Thanks, Theo. Respect. Yeah, we treat them with respect. We should, at least. Ooh, I said, yeah. So you're like, you know you have to grow them up and form them. They're, they have a lot of potential to be shaped. 
right? A blank page. That was good, John. Anyone else? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's good. We anticipate, like, we want to provide for them and make sure they're taken care of and safe, and that's good. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, to listen to them, let them know that they're heard, that they're important, that what they say affects you as their provider, their caretaker. Those are all really good. That what? Believe them. Wow. Yeah, validate them. Know that what they're saying is true to at least their experience, right, as a kid. That's great, yeah. Are needy. Yeah, they have needs, right? Yeah. Yeah, they need touch, they need time, they need attention, food, and they're weak. Yes, they're dependent. Yes, that's why they're called dependents and you get tax breaks for them. <laughs> so these, I ask these questions not just to understand what we all think about children, but it's actually, these are clues to understanding our identity before God, and they're also clues for understanding God's love for us. So children are curious, right? So ought we to be curious about God, right? Children are adventurous. Well, maybe we could think about certain activities with God as an adventure. You know, something where our Father's going ahead of us. Um, children are trusting, right? They easily love. You know, well, what's restraining us from enjoying the love of the Father, right? And the other way around, like God's love for us. Like Joe said, listen, right? Like God listens to us Really? That's amazing. You know, he calls us, if he calls us his child, of course he's, he's going to listen. Or he wants to validate our perspective. Right? That's really amazing. Or he, he sees us as dependent and he wants to provide and take care of us. So as we meditate on these things, we start to see, oh, there's a really special value in God's eyes for us being children. And there's something that, change, that changes who we are and that also changes how we see God and how we interact with him. So, I mean, imagine, what if we really lived like this? We'd be in heaven. Yeah, right, we'd be in heaven. Seriously, we'd be in a really good church, right? And, and why don't we live like this? You know, so I think one of the main problems, and, and John talks about this uh, right there in the verse one, um, the, is the, the distorted world. And Theo already brought this out. There's certain perspectives that distort the way we see children and childhood. Um, the distorted world doesn't understand particularly this identity of being children of God. Like if you went up on Pacific Avenue to Joe Schmo and said, hey, by the way, I'm a child of God, they're going to be like, uh, well, the, you're either hearing voices, which maybe you are, you know, the right one, um, you're, or you're very confused, or you've bought into some weird... Um, religious expression, but that's, that's not a legitimate thing. Being a child of God, that'd be weird, you know, especially if they don't think God exists. Um, so the world doesn't understand this identity. For the world child of God implies naive, it implies foolish, it implies irrelevant, and it implies probably laughable, you know, it might chuckle. Um, Child of God, this idea of being a child of God is rejected, and so we experience rejection. And the reason for that is because God is rejected. 
So it's not actually, if we ever experience these moments of irrelevance or laughableness or whatever, that, that rejection is a rejection of our Father. But we know him, right? And, uh, but the world doesn't know him. And that's the way John says it here. It says, the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. And for us to avoid, I think part of the problem also is that we, we want to avoid this rejection, right? This daily encounter with the world. And often, whether we realize it or not, we sacrifice living like a child of God. So we don't want to feel naive. We don't want to feel like the way that we live is um, impractical, right? Or irrelevant. Um, but that's not what John's saying. And the world, this is why part, partly why the world doesn't understand this. Um, we're not saying be naive or become naive. That's not what John's saying here. He's basically saying, be careful not to let your life experience cloud the purity of your identity and your relationship with God. That's something the world can understand, right? A little bit. Don't let your life experience cloud who you're becoming. And especially don't let that cloud the purity of your relationship with God. We're also not saying, or this is not what John's saying, is forget wisdom, you know, just live free, whatever, you know. Um, forget practical living, you know, you don't need finances. He's, he's rather saying, be careful not to let your life experience reign over God. Rather, place your life experience underneath God. So don't let your life experience reign over him. And the danger for us and in the danger in the world, the distorted world, is letting our life experience reign over God. Because that ends up allowing, setting, like, then our life experience sets the standard for the rest of our lives. Our past experience becomes our future. We let our life experience rule our lives. It limits our understanding of others and ultimately of God. And like Romans 12, or not Romans 12, Romans, yeah, it's Romans 12, 1 through 2 says, our, it conforms our identity to the world rather than has our minds transformed. We're conformed rather than renewed. Right? And we can end up looking more like the distorted world than like a child of God. So I wanted to share a movie clip with you. Growing up, I loved the movie Hook. Raise your hand if you're familiar with this movie. So this movie is about uh, growing up. It's also about childhood. And um, my brother and I used to have people over to watch this all the time because we loved it so much. And there's this really cool scene. The whole story is about uh, what if Peter Pan grew up? And so the story starts with a grown-up Peter Pan. He's somehow swept back to Neverland just with his kids, and his kids are captured by the pirates, and, he has, and he's forgotten who he is. He's forgotten everything about his identity. He's forgotten who he was as the child hero, as Peter Pan. And he's actually become a lawyer. He's really good at it, and he doesn't remember anything about Neverland. And, and now he's run into the Lost Boys, and they're, they're also doubtful about who he is, and so we get to see this scene where he's, they're beginning to remember. We'll say that much.
That, I love that scene. Oh my gosh. We could just watch the rest of the movie. I'd be happy. Um, I love that one kid. He says, your nose got real big. So It's so childlike, right? Very honest. Um, and then the other kid says, you promised. You promised never to grow up. And um, I think that, that's, that's probably the, the reason I, I like this scene so much. Is It shows that what the truth of who Peter is and also kind of what went, went wrong. Um, I pictured, so let me, let me look at my notes here. So the problem with Peter was not that he grew up, right? That wasn't the actual issue, but that he forgot something as he grew up. And he grew up doing all the right things according to the world. He became a lawyer. He's successful. If you watch it be in the movie, he's doing really well. Um, he's ignoring his kids a little bit, but it's to take care of the family. Um, but he forgot the most important things. And this is what the whole trip back to Neverland is, is this remembering of his true identity as Peter Pan. And I kind of pictured God, uh, I mean, all of us to some extent have wrinkles or experiences, that, I mean, and in, in comparing the wrinkles to like experiences that we've gone through, like pushing back the wrinkles on our faces, right, and pulling back those certain things. And I love that he just like pulls back all the skin on Peter's face. Oh, there you are, Peter. And I think God, in a similar way, can do that with us. Um, there's a scene in, oh, I mean, this is a total another story, but the, the Voyage of the Dawn Treader, if you guys have read that book, C.S. Lewis, Narnia, you know what I'm talking about? Um, it, and this boy turns into a dragon, and Aslan comes to him in the night, and the boy is trapped as a dragon, and he takes his claw and digs it through all the layers of his dragon skin until he gets to the very core and pulls off each layer and it hurts each time. And I think it's a very similar image where there's underneath all of that stuff, there's this, there's this um, identity, this true person underneath there, and that child of God um, core identity is there. And I think for us, um, God is asking this morning as we look at that clip, as we think about the scripture, you know, my child... What's getting in the way of you deeply knowing my love? My child, what's getting in the way of you deeply knowing my love? Jesus said in Mark 10, 15, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And I, that is a rebuke for those who he was talking to then, but I think for us this morning it's also an invitation. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Um, Carrie, when I was talking with her about the sermon, said, oh, you know what? Uh, this is the coolest thing. You know, we're talking about children of God. Jesus is a child of God. 
I, and I was like, I didn't even think of that. It's so true. Jesus is called the Son of God, right? And we're called children of God, not just haphazardly, not just because that's the way God made us, but also because Jesus did a work for us to get there so that we could become children of God. So 1 John, the verse 2 through 3, kind of help us uh, understand this, how this impacts the coming life and the way that uh, we anticipate who Jesus is. So it says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who, who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So there's a sense of like we're children of God and we're growing up into Jesus. And he's trying to help us grow up well, grow up rightly. Jesus being the perfect child of God um, is, the, is the leader of this whole thing. Like there's so many scriptures, and now that I'm thinking of them, I probably shouldn't go into them. But there's so many scriptures about Jesus being the author and perfecter of our faith, the first fruit of many children, many to come. And that's, that's us. We're the ones that come because of Jesus into um, maturity. So do you want to be a child of God? Do you want to grow up well? Look at Jesus. Turn your attention to Jesus, both in who he is in the Gospels and who he is in his second coming. If you read other books by the author here, John, you'll know that he authored the book of Revelations. And the beginning of that book, the first few chapters, you see Jesus as he is now. Not as on earth, but glorified, and he's full of light. His eyes are blazing with fire. His voice is like the sound of many waters. And there's this picture that he sees of Jesus that isn't the same as, as a meek and mild and humble one that we saw while he was on earth, he faced the cross, but the one who's come to life, though, I mean, in full, and he's reigning on the throne. And that is what we're anticipating as children of God, and that's who we're growing up to be like. We're growing up to be like that Jesus. Children are great at hoping, right? And so as we remember this posture of being children before God, and we need to uh, learn from children again. Not because we need to revert into childhood, but like I said earlier, that reminds us of the freshness of our relationship with God. So we can learn with, from children with fresh eyes how to hope again, how to have the, the anticipation of the coming of Jesus again. Like it's just like a kid uh, waiting at home for uh, dad to come home from work. Like right when he hears that door open, he sprints down the hall and jumps into his arms like he's ready. He's like been waiting all day for dad to return. Um, that's the type of hope you can see in a child. And actually, uh, I was talking to Sierra this last week, and she was saying, and this would be a really cool way, a uh, practical way for you to grow in this if you're wanting to, is that we need more children's volunteers in our, in our Sunday youth program. And so it could be very simple. Like it could just be, if you want to, try volunteering on a Sunday really simple. Do it with someone else so you're not in there on your own if you feel uncomfortable. But imagine sitting there, not just wanting to serve because we need people, 
but because you're like, I'm here to learn a lesson from these children this morning. I'm here to learn from them what God is saying about who I am and who he is. And the way that I treat them is going to give me insight about that. And the ways that they treat me is going to give me insight about that. And maybe even bring a journal or ask them questions like those old TV shows, like kids say the darndest things. Like, just be ready, be curious like they would, and learn, and learn from them. That would be a refreshing way to begin to restore this hopeful posture of, um, of who we are as children of God and that identity, and also in anticipating him coming. Um, and like I said, as we're growing up into Jesus, <laughs> I have an extra page of notes. That's so funny. Um, like I said, as we're growing up into Jesus, we also need to realize that hope hurts. Hope isn't always easy. It's not like the hallmark sentiment. It's not like the cards that we get. Um, it's not just always a feeling, even though I think it is a feeling sometimes. Hope hurts because hope refines us. And Carrie and I, again, we're also talking about this this week. Hope isn't always easy. It, sometimes it takes a little bit of effort. It takes time. It takes looking at the word. It takes noticing who we are. Like, there's that discernment piece. There's that personal experience of uh, our identity. Uh, true hope, though, actually purifies us. And that's what John is driving home here. As we set our eyes on Jesus, as we realize we're children of God and he's gone before us and he's coming back and we keep our attention on him, that actually purifies us, not then, but now. Like it purifies, we live in the freedom of that identity. We don't make the mistakes that Peter did as he grew up becoming a lawyer, right? Not that lawyers are bad, Nick. Um, but as you grow up, you're growing up in God rather than according to the, the distorted world. And so true hope, as it purifies us, as we know our identity, it actually heals our wounds. It can restore our mind, like we talked about in that quote. And it reconnects us with God as Father and Jesus as Son as we await the second coming. So this morning I wanted to end with a, a, an ancient prayer. Um, I, I mean, it's probably... 1,500 years old. I don't know, something like that. Um, it's called the Prayer of Recollection, and it's been used in different traditions and stuff like that. But what I like about it, this is a simplified wor- version, is its intention is to kind of break off some of those worldly distortions and to remember God's love and our identity in Him. So if you have your notes, it's actually on the back of your notes. Um, you can also just pray along with me. And... Um, you can take that home, obviously. And uh, so it goes through four steps of the prayer, the prayer of presenting, the prayer of detachment, prayer of attachment, and then prayer of obedience. So I will pray through these out loud, and then you guys can just pray through them quietly. Feel free just to listen or to read along, whatever's best for you. And uh, Jada's going to play some worship music in the background as we do this. So Jesus, we just enter into this moment, um, knowing all of these identity statements that you've said about us, being children of God, that um, you've gone before us as the Son of God, and that you love us and you call us with a perfect love. And so we want to spend a little bit of time praying through that this morning and, and experiencing that, and discerning that clearly, like your word says. So we're going to, in the prayer presenting Jesus, we just say, Lord, I am here. I present myself to you. Open my heart to the truth of what is going on in my life. 
And we recognize that the world has really affected our lives. So we just pray the prayer of detachment. At the core of my spirit, I'm no longer an angry person, a fearful person, a worrier, arrogant, prideful, envious, distrustful, unkind, impatient, jealous, full of malice or wrath. At the core, my identity is no longer being a sinner, wicked, rebellious, and unloving. At the core of my spirit, I'm not defined by my abilities, my virtues, or my vices. At my deepest place, I am not my behaviors, my feelings, my personality quirks, my gifts and talents, my good or bad choices. I'm not defined by how I perform or what other people think of me. And at the core of my spirit, I'm not ultimately a father or a mother, a husband or a wife. I'm not a son or daughter. I'm not a good or a bad friend, co-worker or family member. I'm not a rich or poor person, a success or a failure. I'm not a kind person nor an angry person. I'm not ultimately any of these identities, roles, or influences. And Jesus, we thank you for that freedom. And we, come. we thank you for that freedom, Jesus. And we also want to pray the prayer of attachment. At the core of my spirit, despite all of those worldly influences, I am now clothed with Christ's righteousness, with full pardon from guilt and full acceptance from God. I'm precious in God's eyes. God calls me his beloved. And by the Spirit, at the core of my personality, I've put on his fruits of love, compassion, humility, kindness, forgiveness, gentleness, patience, self-control, peace, and goodness. That is who I truly am. And we ask Jesus, even in this, you help us with any unbelief. And together we also pray the prayer of obedience. Lord, may my mind and heart all day open to Christ, who is my life. And may I have the wisdom when time is right to lay aside the old person residue and its ways and to simply put on Christ, to obey you in all things and to reaffirm who I really am in Christ. Lord, have mercy. Jesus, what a sweet space to be with you. We thank you that you are completely sufficient to do these things because you are a child of God yourself and you've done the work on the cross and you've come back to life 
And because of that, we embrace the truth of who we are as children of God, and we anticipate the joy of you now and the purity as you. We hope in who you are and the joy of you coming back someday soon. Thank you for being here this morning. We ask for your help to walk in these things this week. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the High Street Community Church weekly message. We hope you were encouraged to follow Jesus. For more, please subscribe to our podcast or visit us online at hscchurch.org.